back to our study of the book of Revelation. We're in our final installment of this series. I hope you've really enjoyed it. I certainly have enjoyed working on it because Revelation is not a very familiar book for me. It's not one that we spend a lot of time in generally because it's scary and it's kind of weird and there's just a lot of room for crazy interpretation and, and that leads to a lot of division actually uh, amongst our people. So we try to avoid it, I think, honestly. And it's been good for me to dive into it and to learn more about it and to study it so that I can teach it. And I hope I have the opportunity to teach it again one day. But uh, thank you for joining and for following along. And I hope that as we wrap up today, you see that this is really a beautiful, beautiful book and a great way to close. There's a reason it's at the end. This uh, 66 book canon of, of our, our Bible, our scripture. So let's dive right in then, shall we? Chapter 22 beginning in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and he will reign forever and ever. Putting this in context, and we've tried to be putting the whole book in context of the time it was written and, and, and those who were reading it and to understand what they would have understood. But to put this particular chapter in context of the whole book, let's review a little bit. John, whom we generally assume to be the Apostle John, John the Revelator, uh, is on Patmos. Uh, where he was exiled. He receives these visions, and he's told they're going to be signs and symbols of the things that are and that uh, have been and that will be. So he sees a vision of what's going on with God's people, what's going to happen with that, and, and we see warnings constantly over and over. God warning, I'm going to bring punishment, I'm going to bring judgment, I'm going to free my people, I'm going to bring an end to this oppression. And then that builds up with warning after warning after warning. They don't heed it. And then he brings the hammer down on this evil empire, this Roman empire. Uh, and, and we accept that at face value, that it was meant and intended for the people of that time to read and understand. Now, when we see the destruction, these last few chapters have been just full of destruction and of, 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 of wrath. We need to know what happens to God's people. What, how does this end? How does this, um, how does this resolve itself? So, chapter 22 does that. It tells us what becomes of God's people. What will be the result for them? And what the angel shows John is several things that reference the earlier part of the book and that uh, reference even outside sources that are meaningful. Um, remember the, the, the challenge of God's people and part of their persecution was not just, oh, you're a Christian, we put you to death or we torture you. It was a marginalization from society. You were an other. You were, you were not considered acceptable to society if you did not submit to Caesar as Lord. If you recognized God or Jesus, then you were considered an atheist because you didn't recognize the only God that they believed existed, and that was Caesar. But what, what that caused was starvation, displacement, lack of medical care or access to medical care, no job, no home. The, the ramifications of marginalizing Christians from society was more devastating than any kind of mass genocide might have been. So what did they lack? Well, they lacked food, security, they lacked medicine, 
And look what is coming back their way now. The angel shows them the river of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb uh, through the middle of the street. The, uh, the Jewish people were greatly afraid of water. I know the apostles were fishermen. We see Jesus walking on water. But why were they so fearful during the storm as Jesus is walking out there on the Because Jews traditionally were terrified of water. They'd go out on the boat to go fishing because they needed to earn a living, but they were scared of the water. They even believed that there were other forces, other gods at work in the water. They didn't worship them, but, but they might have believed they existed. So the water was a scary thing to them. However, we see here and also in Ezekiel, if you go to Ezekiel, you see a lot of imagery that's used here in Revelation because they would have known their Bible, their Old Testament as we call it. And there is a river there and it starts as a small stream, a trickle that eventually grows into a large, deep, rushing water. And it is the grace of God that is flowing from the throne. And here we have a river flowing through the street from the throne this is the grace of God flowing down, but it, it's bringing life. It's a river of life and of rejuvenation. And what is around it? Well, we have trees. We have the we have the fruit of life. We have the um, that the tree of life and the fruit that blossoms each month. Um, to have a garden was considered a luxury. To have a piece of land that was fertile, that could grow green things, whether it be food or just you know shrubs and bushes and flowers. Uh, to have a garden, to grow things, um, th that, uh, that, that, um, that was a luxury for them. That was absolutely a luxury. So here they're going to have that luxury now. They're going to have this garden. They're going to have this tree, and it's going to provide food. What was something they had trouble accessing? The marketplace, food, the funds to buy the food, the jobs required to earn the funds to buy food. And now God, through his grace, will provide it. And also the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's their source of medicine, herbs and other things from nature. Um, that's what they would have used. And here, now you will have access to medicine. You will have access to food. You will have access to grace. Um, and we're going to be brought home to be with God. This is also very beautiful. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. We're going to a family reunion when we get to heaven. Uh, night will be no more. There's no, no need for a lamp or a light because God's radiance is going to be our light, and we're going to get to spend eternity there. Absolutely beautiful. Verse 6, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and, uh, uh, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Ah, now John is just, he's got to be exhausted. He's been seeing these things. He's being told these things. This is overwhelming. And so now just in the overwhelming uh, overload of this, he falls down. And he's got to worship something, right? And so he's worshiping this angel. The angel says, no, no, no. I'm a fellow worker with you. We're on the same team, but I'm not the one to worship. Worship God. Remember I told you worship was a central part of this book, orienting yourself to Jesus uh, and that being our worship. 
And here we have again the instruction, worship God, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, let the filthy still be filthy, let the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Um, this is this is challenging here. And we have to remind ourselves sometimes, because we're very evangelistic as Christians. Uh, we're told to be. It's in the Great Commission. We're, we're instructed to go and preach the gospel. There, there are times to evangelize, and there are times not to evangelize. There are, there are times when it's not right um, to, to be evangelistic in the way we think of it. Sometimes we have to step back, and we have to leave things as they are for a time. And he's saying, hey, this may be that time. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God is the bookends to the universe and to time and to existence. And he says here that I'm going to bring recompense to repay each for what he has done. Now, again, we had the same difficulty in chapter 20. Um, we, are, we teach salvation by faith. We believe salvation by faith. We read that in Scripture. So is this salvation by works um, that we're suddenly being introduced to here? No, um, that, that's, not, that's not what it is. Um, but there is going to be consequence for, for the things that have occurred, and God is coming to rescue his people. Um, there are consequences to deeds. If our salvation though, is not predicated on those deeds, there is certainly a right and wrong way to live in response to that faith and to that grace. And so the consequences will come. And, and also, there are those who will reject God. There are those who will reject God, and that's the case even as he talks about, you know, it's not really the time to evangelize. There, there, are, there are probably those who would reject God if he offered them salvation directly. If he said, okay, you made a mistake, but here we are at judgment. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in. And they, because of their pride and the hardness of their heart, would still say no. Okay, I, I believe those people exist. And, and that's who we're talking about here. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. Being pure, right? Blessed are those who are pure. Uh, so they have the right to the tree of life, that, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. By the way, dogs were considered unclean, and, and that was a, a, a reference that they would have used to just refer to the unclean, the unwashed, the, uh, those who are apart from God and who reject God. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. Uh, I, for the churches, excuse me, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Uh, go back to Isaiah and look at how Isaiah describes what's going to happen uh, in the first couple thirds of that, uh, really third and a half or so. Uh, of that book is all about the judgment that's coming, all about the, the, the punishment, the destruction of, of Israel. And then the latter part is about the redemption and the restoration of Israel and, and that the, the, the tree uh, of Israel is going to be chopped down to a stump and then burned, but there will be something to sprout up out of that. 
a root that will that will arise from the from the line of David, right? So Jesus is described as this root, this little thing that sprouts up, that kicks off from the line of David and grows and blossoms and restores Israel and restores the kingdom and saves everyone. So here, Jesus refers to himself that way. Uh, I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Almost directly quoted from Isaiah. Uh, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone, let me stop here for a minute, go back. This is the message. I'm Jesus, and I am coming to bring you to salvation. This world is full of trouble. This world is full of pain and misery and destruction. And God sees that and cares for his people, and he will set things right. And sometimes he will set things right in this life, and he will pull the leash on Satan and bring some peace. But Satan's going to have to be unleashed again at some point. And we're going to go through hard times, and we're going to go through good times. And we may not always understand that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your feet pointed toward Jesus. And... Remember that there's a better life waiting, that there is something greater to come, that we will join him one day and we will have everything we need to sustain us. Those who are thirsty will drink those, uh, and they will do it so for free, by the way, at no cost. And the hungry will eat, etc. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Mm. So a warning here. Be careful. Don't mess with this. These words are here for a reason. So don't mess with it. By the way, the Jews took their scriptures and still do very seriously. Um, they won't add and take away things, and they won't rearrange things. In fact, the book of Jeremiah, if you read through the book of Jeremiah, it's completely out of order uh, chronologically because Jeremiah wrote that with the help of his uh, secretary, Baruch, while they're on the run. They're on the run, and so they're writing, and they actually, pieces are being lost as they're writing it. They're dropping along the way. Uh, they're being put back together. And so when they were all found and kind of put back together, they were out of order. They're not in any, any order. Now, the Jewish people who know the story, they know the right order. So as they read through, they will jump forward and backward to get the story in order. But they won't edit their scripture to put the story in order. That's how seriously they take their scripture. So don't mess with it. Don't change what Jesus is saying. Don't change what God has said. There will be consequences uh, to teaching something uh, that God didn't say or to try and bind something that Jesus didn't bind. So keep that in mind. That's a warning. And that's how he closes Revelation. This is serious. This is serious business. God is active and moving in this world in ways we can't see, but in ways we will feel. And one day we will see, and one day we will experience, and one day we will celebrate that we made it. We got through this life because we were firmly planted in Jesus Christ and in the grace of God and the faith that saves. 
Thanks for joining me for Revelation. What a book. What an absolutely wonderful, beautiful book to know that we don't see it now, but the game's already over and we won. We won. That's beautiful. Hope to see you next time. Thanks so much.